So, I think in this episode, we should talk about the startup and like go into details of like what the MVP is and because that's something that I haven't really done on my channel. I have uh, avoided that topic because I think it's also quite a long topic. It'll take time to just go through it and like actually explain what I think and what my ideas are and my plan for it and why I'm even building it. Um, and I think one of the main things that I want to address is the the other fitness apps that people are commenting because lots of people will be commenting like that it looks like this app or it looks like Strong or uh, Strong is like the main one because that's like the, the one that I actually know is very close. Uh, but one of the main reasons is that I, the main reason for building the app from to begin with is the fact that I don't feel like any, I haven't seen any app that does it in a way where it's actually easy and simple to track your workouts. It feels like it's always very complex and they make it the UX or the user experience of the apps is not very great. And that also means that I actually have friends that actually track their workouts. And I don't know anyone that actually uses an app to track their workouts. And I have friends that are like super, uh, super into their training and super like tech interested as well. So they would be like the ultimate client that would potentially or customer or whatever you want to call it user um, for like an app like strong and they know about that app but they don't use it and i think that's what the the main the mvp or the main idea is to essentially take what you can do in like or on paper or in your notes i know a lot of people that track their workouts in their notes app on their phone and i want to take the freedom of that and take it into an app but make it make it easier to track it than it is to track it in a notepad or on regular paper and then also give you like the relevant stats that you'd want like how many reps did I do how many sets have I done how's the progress been over time on this particular exercise um, so that I guess is like the MVP right now, like being able to track your workout in a very efficient way that's very easy for the user to do. Just to, to explain, uh, could you explain what an MVP is? Because many people oh, yeah. lis listening <laughs> might, might think it's most valuable player. Uh, yeah. Uh, but MVP in this topic is? A minimum viable product. And it's essentially, the way that I understand it is that it's like the, the very, the core of what your product is going to be. So if you say that you want to build, like I say that I want to build a workout tracking app, the very core of that is going to be just to be able to track a workout. That's like the MVP. Can you be able to track a workout with this app? If you can do that, then you have an MVP. Um, and then you, the idea is to, also why that is a relevant term even, is the fact that I think a lot of like startups like the term of like iteration. So you want to release something really fast and then you want to iterate on it and make it better over time. So that's why you want to build something that's like the very core of what you want to be able to do. And then you'll see like, what do people think of it? How do they use it? Do people even use it? And then once you have uh, some data on that, then you can start to iterate and like add more features or uh, potentially remove things if you f realize that it's too cluttered. About Strong, just quick, yeah. uh, what is the similarity from Strong? 
I I don't use strong, so I don't know particular uh, specifically. But the main thing uh, is that you can track the workouts in a similar way, and I think that you can get data as well for uh, exercises and st- stuff like that. I'm pretty sure that most uh, or most of the apps that I've used that are popular, they have these preset uh, list of exercises which is usually fine for most people because most people will not do uh, things that are very different from that. But uh, for like uh, an elite athlete that does something very specific, they might want to write down like, okay, I'm going to do a variation of a jumping jack. That's not a jumping jack, but it's my version of it (laughs) for this particular thing. And uh, they might want to track that. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, I find myself like being very restricted with what the apps have to choose from. Uh, so I like the idea of just being able to choose your own name. But from a coding perspective, with mm. presets, it, isn't that pretty good? Like you can see the data if it's like a free typing sort of thing. You can't see really, what, or you cannot categorizing what people actually do in the app. Um, so if you have a preset uh, selection, you can, uh, for instance, say that we want to in this app help uh, want to help people to start to exercise and track it and we maybe want to give them some sort of uh, you can do it in this way because a lot of people are doing these kinds of uh, uh, exercises together mm. when they do the whole training plan no. and if we have only like that you write type in what you are mm. doing we can't give the people that uh, that actually data so mm. it's a, it's a way of tracking how people are doing in the app and yeah. what they're doing and how many are doing it. Yeah, because I mean, and also in some cases, uh, it might be hard for for users to know exactly what a certain exercise is called. Mm. Um, yeah. Especially if you follow Dr. Joel Seedman's prog- oh, program. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be very, very hard. It's this guy who he has a very, very unconventional training uh, program uh, and training exercises. But yeah, his but thing I'm, is like, there should be no name for this exercise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He just takes it makes any simple exercise the most convoluted yeah. and complex uh, movement pattern that you can imagine yes it's really ridiculous but but i was just thinking um will there be presets of exercises available so if someone i mean do you always have to write in bench press because i mean if, if you want to collect data on what the users are doing mm. and what training programs they're using and what exercises are more pro- popular or less mm. popular or maybe I want to compare myself to, as a user, I mm. want to compare myself to Ludda, mm. uh, who's also a user. Will I be able to see his stats through the app? And if so, maybe the program needs to have like certain, um, not categories, but presets. So well. bench press, if I, if I misspell bench press, it might be, regarded as a different, ex- completely different exercise. Yeah. Uh, is, is there going to be presets as well as being able to add to your own, uh, like, what do you call it, toolbox of exercises? Mm. And I also want to fact che- have a fact check on that because I'm not a co- programmer, so no. I don't know if it's like a necessity that you have to have presets to see the data. Yeah, um, it depends because like you could do it there's two ways to go about it. You could have like, I could create presets and add them to like a pre-made database where you could then have this thing where you can, in the app, you can write your own name, but if the name corresponds to a name that already exists within the database, then you might want to just choose that because it makes sense. Or if the name that the user writes uh, corresponds to the, 
maybe I will create like a list of uh, various ways you could type in barbell bench press and I'll always connect that to uh, the exercise barbell bench press, which is one that I've have in my database, for instance. Uh, that could be a way to do it. And it could also be something where uh, users themselves create the database. So uh, this is what I do right now, but the, but on an individual level. So each person essentially creates their own database of exercises. And I won't be able to see your exercises and you won't be able to see mine. But what you could do is you could have it be like a, as soon as someone adds a new exercise, we could check in the database, does an exercise like this exist? If it does exist, then uh, we'll just connect these two to the same thing uh, so that the the name, and this is something I'm not great at this. So I'm not sure if like this is the best way to do it, but I think that's a way to do it um, where you have a lot of freedom for the user, but you also have uh, some way of actually tracking the data for an individual or across individuals, essentially comparing different things. Because is the app, uh, I'm just thinking about this from a user's perspective and uh, a bit like who, who the, the app is dedicated towards. Yeah. Uh, maybe you want to try to... Oh yeah, I, um, I'm aiming it for like the advanced Lifters. gym goer. Like yeah. it's not for the beginners because there's a lot of apps for beginners and I think a beginner won't be like, oh, there's not enough exercises in this app for me to be able to track my workout uh, in the regular apps that do exist. So this is very specific, like almost aiming for like elite level athletes because that's what I think is interesting. And that's also like one of the main parts of the app or one of the main reasons why I want to build the app is to get specific data points for my own training, like volume and uh, intensity in terms of like weights lifted and uh, those sort of things. And I think that's something that uh, not many people will be interested in as like a regular population. But I do think that there's a lot more people out there that want that sort of data that uh, people don't realize, especially in like CrossFit. I know that there's lots of CrossFit people. I, I know people that actually um, work with creating like um, exercise programs for CrossFit people. And one of my friends, he's constantly talking about like the, or complaining almost about the person that comes in that like the, uh, the, the novice who wants to be an elite. That's pretty, pretty common in, in CrossFit, the people that like, they can't really compete at an elite level, but they want to train like an elite person. So they want all the data, they want the optimal program, they want everything to be optimized, but it doesn't really make sense for them to have that. And I think those people would be really interested in an app like this. And I think in general, like people that are really focused on strength training uh, would be really interested in something like this. Because there are an extreme amount of exercises out there. Yeah. Um, and there's also so many variations of, let's say, the bench press. You have like a pause bench, or if you put a block in between your chest mm. and the bar, it's like a like a half rep bench no. press. Um, so there are many variations of the same exercise. Uh, and if you have to create all the presets, maybe that's going to be something that's a bit. I mean, it's going to be hard for you to be able yeah. to to. Um, to reach every single exercise and every vari variation of every single exercise. Right. 
so maybe it's easier for people themselves to be able to, when they create their own program, even though they can take data points from different athletes or different people, mm. um, they can in some way uh, create their own program and write their own exercises mm. uh, in the system. I think when you do a MVP, you usually go through the user experience and then you usually create a persona, mm. and which is like the regular user. And mm. I think that's that's a pretty difficult um, exercise to do because you 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 have to like uh, frame it where very much so it's like oh yeah but i want everyone to use my app mm. but at the same time you're like okay but this is the one i really want to use i mean because you've you've developed an mvp or yeah yeah been in that process how how much time did you have to put in to create the first one um what, like what's the most valuable lesson you learned when creating the MVP? Um, so the most valuable <laughs> lesson is that we didn't have the right resources to create an MVP from the beginning. Mm -hmm. So we we had a vision and we were ambitious. And uh, three and a half years later, we had an MVP because we needed to find a way to get money to get to have to afford a, a full stack developer to no. create the platform. Um, so the biggest uh, the analysis I've done afterwards is that w a lot of companies or startups are trying to solve a problem which is a bit too big at the moment like you see a, a whole new market like there's no one else like this and that's probably a reason why mm. so it's not a problem that uh, strong or any other uh, exercise apps are there mm. You just f try to need to find the market for your app, the right people, and and will probably go because there are so many people in the world. So someone will will want to have the app. No. Um, so we did. We were aiming for the vision too much. Um, trying to, we made a business plan. We remade it like five times, which is also good because we try. We're trying to crystallize what the app actually should be, mm. but we should have started with thinking about the MVP. What is the MVP? What problem and solution did we solve? Or what problem would we solve right there? And not like, okay, we want to do this in three years and then realize, okay, we won't afford to do that or it will take too much time. So we have to cut everything and do reverse engineering. Yep. So we, we had to cut 70 or 80% of all the features. Mm. And that's an issue, but then you realize like, okay, man, how will people use it now? Because we we don't have the vision that we wanted. Mm. We we thought the vision was the selling point mm. and we didn't find unique selling points for the MVP. Oh, yeah. And that's really hard. And if you also have a long vision or a, a clear vision, you maybe won't be as flexible. We were flexible anyway, but you won't be as flexible as you want to be because if you create, a, if you have a problem, you create a solution with a small effort, like an MVP, you can go in different directions from there. You can see by the numbers, what do people do in the app? Mm. Yeah. And you see that, oh, we thought that people were going to go right, oh, but yeah. they went left. No. Oh, so we probably should uh, do features for the ones going left no. instead of thinking that the features is going right. Because so, but like just to get a, a reference point when it comes to time, when during mm. a startup's life 
should the MVP be done and how close is it to to talking to investors or p- pitching to investors? Um, mm-hmm. it, it depends, but I think that if you have an MVP and you get like good numbers uh, or just some numbers and you have a good selling point as well or and a great mm. pitch deck, you can go pretty soon. They just normally want to see be some sort of traction. That's mm. the main thing. Like, is there any interest? Oh, we have 10,000 people in the app. Oh, that's a really good traction. And hopefully like, okay, how do you get, how do you get your revenue stream? And you won't necessarily have to have $100,000 in revenue stream to get $300,000 in investment capital. Okay. You can probably have like um, $5,000 during a year or a six month period. And then they will say, ah, oh, but these are good numbers and I believe in you guys, mm. so I will invest. So it depends on how much work you do around the MVP, that you have pitch materials, you have good strategies and right, yeah, good selling for the pitch, for the pitch actually, for yeah. the investors. Okay. So you can do it like right away. I, I've heard of a company who didn't have an MVP, they just had a presentation and they were so good that they got $3 million in investing. Okay. Because people were like, this is a fucking great presentation and you guys are amazing. And maybe they had some sort of experience before, but they were really, really good at the selling point, which is very important. Yeah. So if you if you create a really good problem mm. and you have the best solution for it. But yeah, so that's what it is. So like condensing rhetorics? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think you can get money pretty soon. Yeah. It depends on which investor it is. Some a lot of investors want to see numbers. Mm. Mm. Uh but there is mainly there are days investors who just are uh want to take the risk. They are like, yeah, maybe I won't get anything out of this, but I hope that I get uh out of 10 companies that I invest, I want one to succeed. Mm. So you guys could be one of the risk companies and if it goes well, it's really cool. Because I believe in you guys as a team. Yep. Mm. The product isn't that. The investors doesn't know that much of all the markets. But they can be like, yeah, I think you guys are, are doing something great here. Mm. And I think that the future, because you sell the future, that the future is going in this direction. Mm. And it would be really cool. And I want to be, I think that investors are like, when they sit with other people on a Friday dinner or something like that, they want to tell those uh, yeah. uh, what they've done like oh, I, I was sitting with these three guys or girls and they they had this idea and it's really cool so they mm. just want to feel cool by investing in cool yeah. stuff <laughs> rather than I think that I can give these guys really good resources yeah they mm. can more be like oh, I can give you money I have money mm. but I want to I want to tell my friends that I'm doing something cool yeah. Yeah. investing in the future in a way yeah yeah cool yeah, so uh, those were some of the valuable lessons that you learned yeah. uh, through Rise. Um. Yeah, I think the the interesting thing is like what what problem does uh, my app solve, um, or our app? Uh, and I think that the <laughs> <laughs> still still your yeah. app. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> no, but I think that's one uh, thing that's a bit difficult like I don't know how because I don't hang out with every person uh, out there like exercising in different gyms so I don't know uh, if there are like maybe there are there's like tons of people who love strong or like these apps uh, 
but my experience with them is just that it's super complicated and they make things that should be simple very complicated and it makes it so that i'm one of those people that would like i'd probably go the extra mile to use an app to be able to track my workouts but i've always been like as soon as i open up the apps i'm like oh what do i do here and that's one thing that i think i've almost i think like the people that i've showed the app to they might be biased because they know me and they want to be nice to me but uh, people seem to think that it's it is an easier way than the other apps that they've seen, and uh, I know some people that also like like I said that actually train people for a living and send them programs, and they use Excel because it's like the easiest way. And there are like websites and things like that for actually uh, sending things or doing workouts for other people or making workouts for other people, and they still use Excel. So I think there's definitely an opportunity because I think there's a lot of people that do track their workouts and that would want the data that you can get from a workout tracking app, but the apps that are out there aren't making it easy enough to do it, uh, which I uh, I hope I can do because I don't know how many other, like I think the way that I think that Strong works and other uh, apps that I've seen work is that there's a company where there's people that are really into exercising and then they get in contact with like a full stack developer. The developer builds the app for them. Uh, the team that actually know about exercise and like like different things, they don't, they're not very experienced with user experience and like building apps. So they don't have that much feedback to give to the developers. So they can't really help the developers to create a more user-friendly app. While at the same time, they can't really, uh, the, the, the developers don't know what to cut and what to keep because the the people that know our exercise they'll probably be like oh we want this this and that mm. but that might not be possible to do uh, and they might not have feedback on like how do we actually show that to the user in a way that makes sense can you see from another perspective what they would have liked like or is it for is the app mainly for the people who exercise a lot or can you see like how how could a person who is not exercising that much get use of the app mm. and or benefit from the app um yeah it's it's more difficult to look at it that way because i think um I, because when I started exercising, I would track my workouts in like a little book and I would do that even though I was like a beginner, beginner. So I don't know if I'm like also a very specific type of person that would track their workouts. I'm like inclined to track my workouts uh, compared to other people that might not be inclined to it. So I think, I think that the, the person that's not inclined to think like me is probably not going to want to use the app, uh, I think, because I think that the the main reason for using the app is wanting the data that I want, essentially. So, yeah, I think that's... The Would you say that you're an early adopter? Because the thing is that when you do an MVP, mm. you want to uh, find the early adopters who is uh, eager to find new mm. ways of um, changing their life. Mm. Would you say that you're an er it felt like you had downloaded apps before and you no. just want to find an efficient app for how you want to exercise? Mm. That feels like an early adopter. And the thing that we can do is also like 
what do we think is an early adopter? Mm. Is it a person, maybe it's a person who is very into training and oh. are eager to find new ways to make their, their life better mm. than for a person who is just like, oh, I, I would like to uh, track my training exercise mm. because those people are probably just like the majority of people and mm. will come on if yeah. the company succeeds but you want to find the early adopters so there's no issue if you are an early adopter and you think that people that train a lot mm. also are early adopters yeah i think i was just thinking about because i think that a lot of people that are um not elite athletes but they have that do train mm. uh, pretty much every single day or five days a week. Um, I think they might, in a way, they might already have a way to track their mm. training programs yeah. and the uh, exercise routine and stuff, just as you did uh, with a pen and paper uh, or maybe through another app or yeah. through notes on their phones. Uh, so there needs to be, in a way, some kind of, as we talked about before, a unique selling point uh, for this app. Mm. and. Would you say that that would be the efficiency that of the 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 user experience? So it's very intuitive, and or what's what's necessarily the yeah the unique selling point for this app? Because I, I think just as Ludwig said, the market is probably bigger for for people that are new to exercise. Now I think those people are also more uh, prone to to fall out of training they might stop training because you know they don't just like you have every every year uh, yeah. after new year's eve people start going to the gym they apply for gym memberships and then two months later they're not in the gym anymore yeah. uh, that might be the case with the app as well so you yeah. might have early adopters in a way uh, or not early adopters but you might have a lot of people if your your target not audience but your target group or market group is is novice lif lifters they're going to be quite quick on the button to download the app but they might not actually use it too much mm. so the information that you gather from more experienced lifters might be way more telling they might might be m way more uh, useful for you because you could like they might keep a, keep on going for a couple of years and you can see through the app that yeah they've done this study development yeah. or this and this and that so the data from from experienced lifters is probably more important in a way because novice lifters tend to drop out yeah. uh, after a while. Um, maybe there's a way to combine both of them to make it intuitive enough for novice lifters to get interested and to download the app mm. and to feel that they are not welcome, but yeah, in a way welcomed yeah. and make it easy. Maybe, I don't know, maybe put a description for each exercise. How do you do it? Or, um, what are the recommended rep ranges? What are the recommended trading volumes yeah. for a week or for a day and stuff like that? Uh, have you have like, I think these might be valuable key points to talk about. I think people are early adopters or not like, mm. like that. And we will have people who's not exercising, which also are, or want to try to start exercising mm. and they are early adopters. And you also have the one who is early adopters in the exercise field, like who are yeah. training a lot. And I think that um, we shouldn't aim for the one who is not exercising, even if it's an early adopter, because they will probably, as you said, just fall out and try to gain the one who is, uh, who is exercising a lot and just want a more efficient mm. way of tracking it. And one thing I feel, it feels like, because you exercise a lot, both of you, 
and you are into you're in, into YouTube channels where people are exercising. So one way of finding those early adopters who are into training is by having marketing strategies or plans or uh, campaigns on those channels where yeah. you actually find that early adopters in that target audience because you will have in that audience people who are not early adopters as well. No. But you want to find the early adopters who will stay and who also will tell everyone else that I use this app yeah. and this app is fucking amazing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I think I talked to you about like Jeff Nippert is one of those people that is like really his channel is about like pretty much taking science and scientific papers and like analyzing them and giving recommendations to people like okay for optimal bicep training this is how you should do it um based on these studies and i think that's like yeah and i think his audience or his him as a person is probably the optimal client or that's probably the um what did you call it the user like ambassador persona yeah the persona Yeah. yeah So, um, because that's who I think would want an app like this and that would benefit from the app because that's the kind of personality that wants this sort of data. Um, and I think that the, the unique selling point to me at least is the, the combination of easiness and data, like being able to, some app might be easier than my app is, but it might not give the right information about your exercise. Like, uh, I was talking to uh, another friend about the um, there's different metrics that you can use for intensity and exhaustion in exercise. I don't remember what the uh, the thing was, but there's different ways and there's scientific papers that have been made on ways to measure uh, exhaustion in different ways. We've talked about uh, what's that called, like HVR or HVR heart rate uh, variability. Yeah, heart rate variability and using that sort of stuff to actually combine it with the data that you get from the exercise that it's that you do and then uh use that in a way to kind of potentially suggest to the user like okay uh you've been doing 12 reps at this weight for three weeks in a row you should probably increase that right now or uh if it's like your it seems like your weights are decreasing or you're you've been stuck uh, at the same max for a while uh, you should probably uh, do less reps or more sets or whatever. Deload. Yeah, deload week, something like that. Um, those sort of things, I think, is going to be what the the unique selling point is. Just combining them in a way that's actually easy to use. The digit, digital PT. Yeah. Basically, that's a really yeah. good unique selling point. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, we've talked about a bit about this uh, previously as well. Uh, in regards to to fitness YouTubers, especially, yeah. um, it's interesting how a lot of the more the more uh, intermediate uh, YouTubers, or yeah. uh, l- like Jeff Nippard, or uh, I mean Jeff Cavalier from Athlean Nexus, mm. is he has a massive following. Yeah. Uh, but some of these uh, some of these other YouTubers that have they might have great physiques or great bodies or perform very well, but their training method methodology isn't really applicable for no. every single one and it might be quite a lot of loopholes or, yeah. or problems that in their in their like way of putting out information yeah. um however a lot of a lot of those people have great like huge followings and yeah. a lot of people following them 
and most of those people that are following them might be novice lifters and one thing that i think is is quite interesting is that i think people like jeff nifford maybe or athlean x or mm. uh, some of these other youtubers they have they're almost like uh, they're almost blind to their their own knowledge they mm. know so much so they use a lot of terms uh without oh, yeah. any regard to what the viewers are the knowledge that the viewer has so yeah. if you throw out hrv yeah. and you don't know what that is you might be quite uh, you might be yeah you, you might you tend to to uh, click away from the video or whatever because you think this is on a level that's far beyond me yeah and you you like direct your attention towards these other youtubers yeah. that have maybe more misinformation i'd say yeah. and uh, less experience and less knowledge but it's more like uh, novice friendly so that might be something that's very hard for you to implement as because you are an experienced lifter mm. uh, and you've been training for a long long time so it's going to be hard for you to find the the questions and the problems that a novice lifter might experience. Yeah. So you use the app and you think it's, you take for granted that everyone has the same knowledge that yeah. you do. Um, and as as you explained right now, we're having the, the digital PT, uh, being able to tie in all these things such as intensity or central nervous system stimulation or yeah. recovery yeah. Uh, by using one of these pulse uh, yeah. bands across our chest monitors those things or that equipment isn't something that a novice lifter might have or no. even know about no uh, so yeah the that's kind of kind of makes sense that if the unique selling point is to be more of a to use a bunch of different data that comes from simple data points or you mm. can gather data from simple points uh, but then combine them in a way that might be quite complex no. and to give the optimal training methodology uh, towards the experienced lifter yeah. makes more sense than to bring out all these terms and terminology and these different ways of training uh, for a novice lifter. Yeah, well, yeah, and say for like if you have personal athletes where they have all the resources to track their, track their training or exercises every day and they have mm. people around them helping them with it. There's a lot of athletes which is like just below, which mm. are like they are trying to come up to the top yeah. but they don't have the resources at the same level so uh, in football if you play three divisions under the top mm. you still exercise every day you're still trying to yeah. be in the top league and maybe for them who is taking their exercise very serious mm. that will be a very convenient and cheap way yeah. of tracking their training so it's a, I think it's a really big market for that. And when you develop it even more, then you can get the novice exercisers or you yeah. can go and really aim for the athletes. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I think. Too. I think there is like a lot of people that are in that stage uh, that want to get to a certain level, but that are not, that don't have the trainers, that don't have the people like taking care of them almost for um, for their workouts, um, which is also what i think i think that the app will be able to do that sort of stuff like you said like we talked about now the almost like a a pt uh digital pt that's also a good like name because w when you talk with investors and stuff uh, and when you sell something uh, you want it to be really easy to uh, understand and i think that uh, personal trainer or pt is something a lot of people know what it is and if you say uh, yeah, it's your digital I, uh, digital PT. Mm. That's a very easy way for a person to imagine the app and like 
yeah, that's actually pretty good yeah. without even knowing more than that. Yeah. So we could claim that word because mm. it's like a really good selling selling name mm. yeah. or sentence. Carries a lot of value. But yeah, it carries a lot of value. Words. That could take like that could take like uh, one year to come up with that that mm. sentence. Yeah. Mm. But we came up with it in 20 minutes because yeah. we're so, so fucking good. good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the, the only thing with that is that I think it also carries with it that it's actually, uh, it doesn't necessarily, it seems very active then that the app is going to be an active part or participant in your training, which might not be what people that are actually like, uh, at that level where they're trying to reach an elite level they might not want an app to interfere with their training program they might have a program that they're like okay this is what i'm following but i need to see the data and right now i'm like writing it down in a book and then i'm going home going into excel but could that be a premium feature like say that you can track your uh, yeah yeah, but you can have a premium feature where you also get the input on how you could do your uh, planning your week or month or whatever and you can put in uh, how you eat and sleep and everything else as well. But that could be a premium thing for the ones who want it. And for the other ones, they can have the basic app, which is tracking. Yeah, for sure. Like, that's what I think, too. Like, the it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, invasive the way that the app suggests things. It could just be like, uh, like right now I have things grayed out from the previous workout. So if I did 10 reps of a certain exercise, then if I do that exercise again, it will show me in like a grayed out number uh, where I usually type in the numbers. It will show me grayed out that I did 10 reps last workout. It could be something like that, uh, super simple, just like a suggestion there that says 12 reps this time because you did 10 last time. So maybe you should do more now. Uh, That could be a thing. it was just that the, I think the digital PT is probably a super good thing for the investors. Exactly. And potentially not the not the actual users. I mean, it's uh, not it not it's not the marketing campaign. Like you won't no. uh, when you have all if you have ads on the subway or no. uh, on in Instagram or wherever. No. You don't have to say a digital PT. No. You do that to the bigger audience later on. Mm. Uh, maybe because yeah. it's simple to understand yeah. but to an investor it's just like having this elevator pitch and yeah. you have to be very very fast very clear on what it is yeah, yeah. No, we don't want to sell it as if it's like synonymous with an like an ai that no, calculates yeah. oh, this is the pro- program that's most suitable for you no. uh, because that will take a lot of time to develop and uh, uh yeah so like input output should be more input and then you can analyze your stats yourself yeah uh, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, recommendations regarding, uh, as you said, you can take previous data, for, like history data from um, what you did last week or yeah. whatever and use different uh, conversions to find out intensity or yeah. uh, what what your expected um, weight should be yeah. uh, for this exercise. Uh, but I'm also thinking that maybe there can be some type of, like it can it, maybe it can analyze the fact that you have been stagnant or you have been plateauing on these exercises yeah. or, or on these weights and it can recommend to take a month or a week to just do the exercises as a deload week or yeah. deload month yeah. uh, for you to recover um, yeah and i was just thinking 
in regards to myself and my own training and my experience with uh, with training and learning mm. um, in the beginning because we were talking about these people that were trying to break into not the elite athletes but you know trying to make the way up there and, mm. and getting be- better and better and you're taking it seriously mm. uh, so you you're not really on you're like an intermediate lifter mm. um, but I felt that when I broke into that like a realization that I really really enjoy training in that way uh, and I want to take it seriously that my my energy and my willingness to learn and to search and to uh, learn terminology and just figure the stuff out mm. was probably the highest that was the peak of my my interest for training mm. in that way uh, obviously listening to Pavel Satsaline or different people you still get a lot of inspiration yeah. regarding new training methodologies and stuff but just during that period of time I was very very eager to learn more and that might be something that you can apply to to the app as well because there might be some exercises or some things that you you can almost refer to this is where you can read more about this or mm. this is where you can learn oh, yeah. so almost like a I'm not saying that this is necessary but it could be some some way like connected to a homepage or something where you yeah. have lists of exercises yeah. like the database and you can work out okay so this is how the movement pattern is supposed to oh, be yeah. and this is what this means uh, and these are the benefits of this exercise exactly according to this yeah or like the rep ranges that usually work for people or what is a compound lift yeah what is an isolation exercise yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah but because one thing that I see here that we've written down in the notes yeah. is Nils Vanderpool, yeah, yeah. Uh, who released the the workout diary, and that's one of the things. Like, I think that's a uh, and something who is that, he? Yeah, I don't know even. <laughs> Maybe what's okay? I well, he's a he's a. Do you say skating like ice skating? I, ice skating, oh, yeah. not a figure skater. Uh, and like exactly. competitive, you 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 skate laps around the track. Yeah. And he won the Olympics uh, right now, or for like a week ago, no. in both distances, right? Like 10K and 5K. Yeah. And they also put a uh, be, beat his own record, I believe. Oh, yeah. One of them. Yeah. So he's the world record uh, holder as well in both distances. And he's Swedish. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he has a very different kind of exercising p- uh, method. So maybe talk about that. and. Yeah. From what I understood, it seemed like he, um, yeah, he goes by how he feels a lot. But a- according to Hanna, yep. she said that he, I, because ha- I haven't read, because he released like his workout diary essentially for like twelve years or something like that. Yeah, uh, really long time, and in that he's like he does these crazy workouts every like five days of a week, and then he d- takes two days off. And he's really specific about taking those two days off and actually like resting properly to the point where he wouldn't even travel to like do max testers, which is something that these athletes do generally because they want to test themselves to see where are, where am I at? Is the workout or am I uh, progressing in my training? And I think he is like a good example of why a... I haven't read the thing, so I don't know what he's actually saying in the Could have been thing. Good to do, but yeah, it would have been great <laughs> to have read that before. But uh, I'm from what I understood, it's like he's listening to his body and he's understanding, like, okay, I'm feeling really good right now. So instead of like cutting or like cutting the training off where he 
finishes where he said he was going to finish if he's done 10k and he said he was going to do 10k that day he'll be like okay i feel really good i feel like i could do another 10k he'll do another 10k and that's kind of uh the essence i guess of like uh the 10 10,000 foot overview of what his workout methodology is like and i think that will be really interesting to read through and see like how does he track his workouts what is what does he track what what does he think is important because he's had that amount of experience he's had those 12 years of just like or however many years it was of tracking his workouts and i think that can be applied then to uh, at least to give me some ideas and insights into this is what he thought was valuable to track. He's tracking cardio exercise, so that's going to be a bit different from strength training, but it might give me some insights into potentially does he like track, uh, does he write down something for how he felt that day? Does he rank how he felt that day, like from a one to 10? How good was this workout or how good was my sleep? Uh, those sort of things. And then that could potentially be applied to the app. It's also fun because he has such an unconventional approach to training. And uh, from what I heard, he rides like a training bike for seven hours a day. And if he feels good after those seven hours, he continues for three hours. And if he reaches a point during his training where let's say he's been cycling for five hours and he feels that, well, I'm quite exhausted. He doesn't push himself. As you said, he listens to his body. And in a way, I think that is a really, really important essence that's kind of forgotten yeah. in many ways. Uh, people like to, to say it quite a lot. Listen to your body so you don't injure yourself. Uh, but maybe listening to your body is also a way to, to maximize strength gains or maximize yeah. uh, cardio gains uh, in this case. Yeah, I think that's a huge thing. And I think... That's also one thing that's really big. I think that the training uh, advice in general is based on a lot of people taking uh, supplements in terms of steroids. And I think that's been like kind of contaminated advice when it comes to training because I think a lot of people train way more than they need to. Like I think for people that don't do steroids, I think you could basically do three days a week and you'll get away with it and you'll actually progress quite well and you'll get really strong or really fast or really good at whatever it is you want to train and uh, so I think that there's a real tendency to like overtrain uh, without even understanding that you're overtraining because you don't feel it. If you just put it into perspective um, protein synthesis so the recovery of muscles is Uh, usually regarded as 48 hours mm. and ligaments and usually take longer so uh, it kind of makes sense that training at a maximum effort or intensity five days a week or even six days a week does it really make sense for s- someone who's natural since mm. steroids do actually aid a lot in recovery uh, and that is something that's also uh, as you said it's it's definitely something that's misinformed to a lot of people especially novice lifters yeah. and stuff that you don't have to train at peak intensity every single day uh, recovery is way way more important than a lot of people think I think that's a really nice thing too about like listening to the body I think is something that a lot of people should be doing but are not doing and uh, but I think it's also very difficult when you're a beginner and even for me it's really difficult to understand like how am I actually feeling am I actually recovered from the workout that I did 
uh, two days ago or should I rest another day or should I eat more, should I eat less? That's something that your app might actually aid a lot of people with yeah. just to keep track of how 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 are my stats now? Mm. Uh, have I improved since last week? If I haven't, what's wrong? Am I recovering properly? No. Am I sleeping enough? All of these things that do tie into essentially your optimal performance, um, maximizing those uh, aspects. Yeah, like ideally it would be one of those things where you could come up with a test for like uh, either like a 10 rep max or something like that where you just like, it shouldn't be too nervous system taxing, so it shouldn't be a one rep max, uh, but because you wanna be able to do it relatively frequently, which you can't do with a one rep max, uh, or you shouldn't do uh, with a one rep max. But it would be really nice to have like one of those tests that's not super taxing on the nervous system and or not super risky to do that you could have like potentially 10 reps that you you find out like, okay, uh, what weight can I do 10 reps on as my max weight for this workout? And then you can analyze and see like, okay, well, I could do this on this weight. And last week I was able to do it on that weight and my sleep throughout this week has been like this or I've rated my workouts at like a 5 out of 10 for all the days in between, which means that I'm probably not recovering enough. So now I need to take a deload week or the app could suggest take a deload week or something like that. Yeah, and uh, I have like a main... Uh, more connected to the app but um, mm. but like a main saying when it comes to new ideas mm. and new startups that if you have a good new idea it's uh, you create value but with less or the same input as before mm. so it needs to have more create more value than your uh, your where you're at right now so right now I'm running and I use uh, Strava as mm. an app and that's it. Uh, but if I have another app that I could create even more value, like you should you shouldn't run this much this day. You should run less. Yeah. Because uh, so I just get information on how to optimize my exercise. That's creating more value to me. Mm. But I'm doing the exactly the same or less than before. Mm. And that's a good idea. Yeah. Because input is effort yeah. from the user. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Try to say try to say as much as possible with as little, little information as possible. Mm. Yeah. And also, I think also what you're saying is like uh, telling the user that you don't need to work out today mm. could be a good thing because then they don't have to work out every single day because they think they need to work out every single day. But they might actually be able to not work out that day and get a better result. Yeah. Um, or, or just give, the, it, it could also be like, oh, you, you shouldn't like run today but you should take a walk oh, because yeah. the one other essence of exercising is the mental state of mind that oh, yeah. releases when you're outside or exercising. Uh, you know more about it, so you can probably explain it for people, but just that a, a walk in an hour is, isn't necessarily like a high effort exercise, and but still it's good for your brain. Mm. It's good for your body, but you don't have to run, uh, run 10K. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many aspects and so many like benefits from every single um, like from working out. Uh, but those benefits always diminish if you don't give your body enough rest time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, rest rest time is something that maybe is quite an important aspect in, to to take into consideration when creating the app yeah. and uh, 
might be a very very important output from the app to the user that yeah. you know you should try to if they use one of these heart rate monitors they yeah. can see if 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 their central nervous system has been uh, recovered properly and thereafter they can plan their workouts mm. uh, during the day or whatever yeah mm. and if we think in a bigger target audience where we just have the sleeping people like we just get new services all the time that mm. will make us our life more comfortable mm. i think that it will be really appealing if you have uh, an app saying no you, you shouldn't exercise today and people yeah. are like Oh, that's really nice. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't have to do it. That's a really. I, th I think people will be like, "Yeah, that's great." And yeah. Then I can do this instead, and I can actually exercise tomorrow. Yeah. And I think there's two sides to that part, because uh, I think a lot of intermediate lifters, or maybe not intermediate, but between novice and intermediate, when once you get going into it and you you start to see maybe the first gains and you start to see the progress that mm. you're making. You want to work out every single day. That's yeah. like you want to go to the gym. You want to go to the gym, but it's so counterproductive yeah. doing that way. Um, but as you say, it's also important that if you if you if you do not give yourself enough time to recover, you probably fall out of the pattern of training because you'll get injured or you'll actually get sick of it and tired of it because your body has has to say like stop yeah. at some point. Uh, so there's probably two sides to that coin. Yeah, and a healthy long-term uh, pattern is is so much better because, as you said, if you just exercise a lot after that, you get an injury and you have to wait one month and after that you won't start again. So if you do a healthy way right away, hopefully you will exercise for several years and you will mm. have it in your cognitive uh, pattern. And that's yeah. the exercise you want to have when you just don't think about it. You just like yeah do it yeah um and i think there's a big or a key aspect to that yeah. that you just want to get the cognitive pattern going consistency yeah. yeah because we have like at my home i live on the fourth floor and we have like the stairs uh before the elevator oh okay so normally it's the opposite way around you have the elevator right away when you come in and mm. you have the stairs on the side mm. and then you just go to the elevator but we have the stairs and I see them. So I started to take the stairs and I do it every day now. And I don't even like think, ah, oh, I should take the elevator yeah. because I have it in my pattern. Yeah. And that's a way of, uh, that's a way they, I heard a podcast where they talked about it, where they tried to make the stairs more comp compelling. So people were mm. like, yeah, now I want to <laughs> go and take the stairs instead because there's a lot of colors right yeah. there. Um, <laughs> and to create that bad pattern, the everyday use, all type of movement is in a way exercise so taking the stairs up and down is great for your body and to try to incorporate um these just movement in general into your everyday life so you do take the stairs instead of the elevator you do go for a walk to the shop instead of taking the car uh, if you have time for it which you usually do um and the same thing like before you go and take a shower uh, in the evening you can do three sets of 20 reps push-ups that's better than doing nothing yeah. uh, usually and those kind of easy um, non-strenuous movements uh, will also in a way aid in your recovery because they are yeah. they are recovery movements in a way uh, unless they're too taxing on your yeah. body i mean if you weigh if you weigh like 150 kilos or 180 kilos and you take the stairs four sets it's going to be very intense yeah. for you so it's all about like individually what is suited for you but yeah. 
just trying to incorporate those uh, aspects into your life is, I think, very, very important for consistency and for just general health. And I also heard that a lot of people that do, if they if they have a job at a desk, so they work, let's say, nine to five, uh, they come home and they go for a run for one hour. Uh, they pat themselves on the back in a way by, by maybe eating something more unhealthy uh, mm. during the evening because they think, well, I went running today, so I burnt this and this many calories, oh, and yeah. therefore I should be able to do this and this and that, eat this or no. play video games until two o'clock. No. Um, but if you instead try to incorporate it in your everyday life, uh, I mean, this is off topic from the app, but just no, speaking yeah. about training in general, um, you won't really see the movements that you won't see every movement that you've done during the day as an exercise. It's just a part of your life. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, trying as you said, trying to take the stairs, trying to move around as much as possible is very, very valuable. Yeah, or, or you should be really careful with like creating the habit or the connection between like, I went for a run, I'm gonna have a chocolate, a piece of chocolate, because then you're gonna feel, you're gonna create a craving. After, every time after you've had a run, you're gonna have a craving for like chocolate, and you won't know why, but it will be because you've created that uh, distinct or that connection. And uh, there's a uh, a book, of course, I'm reading a book, but uh, there's a book about like the written by a monk um, who, and it's talking about different things about meditation and how meditation actually affects the brain. And he's talking a lot about the the neuronal or pathways in the brain. I'm not an expert in this. I will probably jumble this up, but essentially when you meditate, you can create a new pathway in your brain for like uh, whatever it is that you're doing. And essentially it's the same with any habit that you create. If you create a new habit, you'll create a pathway so that every time you do that habit, you'll stimulate that pathway and uh, you'll get that sensation. That's why like if you have a bad experience with something, you'll get, you'll build up this neuronal pathway. And then uh, every time you have that, you see that thing again, let's say it's a snake or something. Every time you see a snake after you've had a bad experience, you'll think back to that experience. You'll instantly like remember it and you'll feel like you're going to have a bad experience again because you think you're experiencing it again, even though you're not. And it's the same thing with this thing then going for a run and eating a piece of chocolate. You'll think that, okay, now I need a piece of chocolate because I've gone for a run. I have the same feelings that I had last time I had a piece of chocolate. It's really hard to create uh, good habits because it usually takes up to three months fact check but <laughs> <laughs> it takes three months to 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 create that pattern like oh. in a cognitive way and that you have to have some sort of uh, um i mean that chocolate but that chocolate could be like uh, i sit on my bike in my office mm. and at the same time i'm allowed to watch this tv show yeah. and it's only by this time yeah. because the normal thing is that people go out and run 5 5k thinks that they uh, that they have because they've done it before they can do it again they come back and they feel like terrible so i usually instead of eating that chocolate i say to my friends who are into running because i run a lot i tell them like run uh, run uh, 3000 meters uh, so like 2 miles basically yeah probably so yeah around 2 miles um and run that it will go terrible well, wha at the time. If you look at time, you run in 20 minutes. That's not good. But in two weeks, you probably, oh, you won't be feeling like really 
tired afterwards. So yeah. you can do it two days later. Yeah. And after two weeks, you probably run it in 18 minutes instead of 20 and you see a progress. Yeah. And right away when you see the first progress, you get hooked. Yeah. Exactly. And then you can continue and you have 16 minutes, 14 yeah. minutes, and then you go on a longer distance yeah. than you did before. That's a really, really common issue. Um, I've I myself have done that quite a lot of times, <laughs> especially with running. Uh, I had a period in my time in my life where I was running uh, quite a lot and I was into it. You know, you, you get into the pattern of running, you yeah. start liking, you get runners high, you like the feeling of it, you come back, you, you can check your time and you're like, yeah, I improved from, from yesterday and that's great. But I, I kind of fell out of that pattern for a couple of years. And in, my, in the back of my head, I was like, I, I can still run, I can still run take it easy. Mm. Um, and my friend who's also a runner, long distance, um, well, he's, he's uh, yeah, he's a long distance runner in a way, also sprinter and stuff. Uh, we went for a longer run and I was so trashed <laughs> after that run. I was, my legs were hurt, like it was so bad. Mm. And we ran in the forest as well. So it's like, you know, a, bu- a bunch of hills and ups oh, and downs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wore new shoes, my, my feet were completely ruined <laughs> and the experience in general, like I was happy that I did it yeah. afterwards, but I the connotation I made with running wasn't that happy feeling that I had no. previously. Uh, it was instead of, I was like, bloody hell, this is so exhausting no. and hard. Uh, and if you ha- if you go into the gym when you're a beginning beginner, or if you, you, you address running the same, the same way by doing the maximum effort no. in, in the beginning, you're not going to be you're not going to be excited no. to go for another run. You're not going to be excited to go to the gym again. Um, and I actually heard quite recently on, I think it was Instagram, just scrolling through, or maybe it was like a YouTube short mm. or something. I don't remember who it was, uh, but if I if I can find it, I'll I'll let you guys know who it was. But he, he explained that he had, I don't know if it was a client or something, um, that would go to the gym and set a time frame of six minutes that during these six minutes, I'm going to work out. So he, this person went to the gym, worked oh, out yeah, for six yeah. minutes, and then went back home and did that like every day pretty no. much for a while. Obviously not getting too much work in, but he create, he set the habit. So no. he created a habit of going to the gym and working out no. and also a positive feeling um, in regards to that training or in regards to going to the gym that, yeah, I went to the gym, give yourself a pat on the back, you come home, you're still feeling fine. You probably got a bit of endorphins and stuff from actually working out. Yeah. And he just increased the time, like, yeah, not successfully, what do you say, successively. Yeah. Um, and also the intense intensity and workout. But the the uh, the summary, or not the summary, but the lesson that this person told, or the essence of what he was trying to say was, before you can improve on a habit, you have to establish the habit. No. And that's the same with anything, especially with training. Mm. That you have to establish going for a three kilometer run every day, not every day, but every other day for maybe a month before you even attempt running a 5K or 10K yeah. is so much beneficial for you because you're building up your body, building up your confidence, you're building up this sensation of being being outside and going for a run is something that I love to do. Uh, so yeah, I, I definitely think that tr- creating these cognitive patterns is essential to be consistent in your training. Yeah, yeah. it feels like that in this time and day, we only see the results on Instagram or YouTube. We don't yeah. see the progress. So we get too result fixated and just want to achieve something right away. No. And But we we forget that the people who show us the result has a major 
progress before the result. Yeah. Like if I see your video, oh, you're you're exercising, but you do that every mm. day or something like that, yeah. and I feel like oh, I want to do as many lifts as you do, but I'm not there no. doing it, so I can can't do it right away. No. So the habit part is, I think it's uh, fundamental to get a good habit. Yeah, and that's why I think it's like the the misconception I think about personal trainers and like going to the gym. A lot of people that think that don't want to exercise think that the the feeling that they should aim for in the gym is that like the post 10k thing that you talked about like feeling completely destroyed and trashed and so i think uh, that's one of those things that you should avoid yeah <laughs> now i got yeah. lost but yeah, yeah. like the um, but we also have like three minutes left until yeah. the yeah, camera think, goes I out. So I think, so we, I, think we, I think that's a wrap somewhere. Yeah. To be honest, yeah. yeah.